Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Surak joins me. Week three and still no head coach. The question is, do we get to a week four? Championship Sunday is coming up. What do we think will happen? Plus, did J.J. Watt get snubbed? I think he did. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 638, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. For those of us who are counting, and that includes you, Danny, this is day 18 of the great head coaching search of 2023. I usually don't count if I don't have to. I'm not great at math. I don't love it, so I do appreciate that update. I was not keeping track. 18 sounds like a lot, but when you think about it, none of the other four openings across the league have been filled, so maybe it's not that long. Yeah, It doesn't feel like it's been a long time, to be honest. I kind of like that it doesn't necessarily feel like there's a rush. There are still some candidates who are coaching still in the playoffs, so that kind of adjusts to teams they can talk to at this point, um, which is probably playing a role for some teams. I'm not sure how much that's playing a role for the Cardinals, but it is nice that to just kind of take the time and have a little time to breathe in between hiring a new GM and getting a new head coach, so I'll take it. It is the uncertainty, and everyone wants answers yesterday. Everyone wants to know yesterday. We still do not know as we speak here on this Thursday. Now, is it coming later today, coming Friday, this weekend, next week? My guess is an announcement is coming sooner rather than later because I do not think any team wants to make an announcement. I think the league frowns upon these kinds of announcements during Super Bowl week. So I do, if I was going to make a prediction, that a Cardinals head coach will be announced sometime before either the AFC-NFC championship winners arrive in town for the Super Bowl. I also think based on what we have seen from national media and whatnot, the candidates that have been out here to the facility that also have other interview opportunities with other teams, whether that's for another head coach position or something else. If your leading candidate is having second interviews with another team, and that's who you want, you have to act fast. Um, So if that's the case, as the Cardinals have completed some interviews this week, some first time, some second time, you're going to have to pull the trigger. And I think before the Super Bowl comes to Arizona, on top of your part, is think of how many people from around the league are going to be out here. It's not just networking for, you know, media members with the players on the team or whatnot. It's it's coaches and players that are going to be out here as well, getting to meet each other and, and just talk. I think the only thing for the Cardinals that would prevent them from making a decision sooner rather than later, which I have no knowledge. For whatever reason, I wouldn't be surprised if an announcement comes between Friday and Monday of this week. Like that that to me is when I say sooner rather than later, that soon. Again, I don't have any reason to believe that other than my gut. Um, but I think the only thing that would change that would be 49ers, uh, D'Amico Ryans, their defensive coordinator, that 
allegedly had an interview scheduled with the Cardinals and canceled it uh, the day of their game last Sunday. And he's at the point in the coaching in the playoffs that he can't talk to teams right now. So if the 49ers lose and he becomes available to continue interviews, is that someone the Cardinals are really set on wanting to talk to before they make their decision? That, to me, is something that would prevent you from making a decision sooner rather than later if you want to get a chance to talk to D'Amico Ryans. Do you wait, if you're the Cardinals, until Sunday? You watch 49ers, Eagles, San Francisco loses. Okay, let's try to get D'Amico Ryans either in a Zoom or into the facility just to pick his brain, see what it's like. So we cover all our bases because, as owner Michael Bidwell said, we want to cast a wide net and make sure you get every one of your potential candidates at least speak to, whether that's face-to-face or, again, via Zoom, as reportedly Dan Quinn did before getting a reported second interview this week. Those are all discussions, and it's almost you're playing a game within the game because the other teams out there are still looking for a head coach. Frank Reich, who the Cardinals reportedly interview has received a second interview, according to reports, with the Carolina Panthers. Dan Quinn reportedly has an interview scheduled this weekend with the Indianapolis Colts. So now all of a sudden, do you wait at the risk of losing someone you really like, but you want to hear what this other candidate, i.e. D'Amico Ryans, has to say for fear of missing out on potentially the next Sean McVay, if you will? And I know that it's not a head coach position, but I saw that Um, reportedly Brian Flores is going to be interviewed if he hasn't already been for I believe the defensive coordinator position with the Minnesota Vikings so while that might not be as much leverage as some of those other candidates that are interviewing for head coaching positions it's still something it's still something you have to keep on your radar that these interviews are still popping up and you've got at least within this building all the current assistant coaches that are waiting to find out as well and how nerve-wracking that is for them the unknown Am I still going to have a job, or do I have to go and figure out what I'm going to do next season, which is part of life as an NFL coach, assistant, or head coach. But it's that uncertainty, and no one likes uncertainty. But, you know, that's part of it. And multiple coaches that I have spoken with since the firing of Cliff Kingsbury has just been – that's been the message. It's unfortunate that that is what it came to, but that's part of the business, and you have to – be ready for that at all times, which is hard, especially when they have families and you're having to last minute move and jump into things and, and adjust so many parts of your life. But that's part of it. Now, there's a chance more so on the defensive side of the ball that a lot of the coaching staff could stay. One of Vance Joseph, who's interviewed with the Cardinals, gets the job. Man, that's the only confirmed candidate that we know of, as owner Michael Bidwell announced that everyone else has been reportedly linked or requested or spoken to. Yes. If Vance Joseph does not get the job, most of these candidates, to me, it seems like you're doing the clear opposite. You had a player's coach who was a little more hands-off, offensive-minded, called the plays, Based on the candidates that have been reportedly interviewing with the Cardinals, it seems it's more defensive-minded coaches who might still be a player's coach in some sense, but much more disciplinary, um, might not call the plays. And if they choose not to, there's a chance that they like what Vance Joseph and his staff has done over these last couple of years with the defense really last year and, and what they were able to do with 
the limited depth they had and the injuries they were dealing with. So there's a chance that Vance Joseph and part of his staff stays here, even if he's not named the new head coach. I think that Vance Joseph is a good, worthy candidate. To me, again, with no knowledge, just looking at the signs of you bring in an outside general manager. He hires an outside assistant general manager. And the fact that we have heard so much from owner Michael Bidwell about culture and effort, and I'm not saying that falls on every coach that is still in this building. To me, it seems if you're reading the tea leaves, you would bring in an outside head coach and really try and start fresh from the top down. Yeah, do you need to hit the reset button all the way? And that, again, has nothing to do with individuals. It's just where this team is right now after going 4-13 and and losing your last seven games in a row. But you bring up the defensive focus of these candidates. Six of the eight reported names have defensive backgrounds. And it's curious because you look at the four teams still playing in these championship games, all four of those head coaches have offensive backgrounds. And here with the Cardinals, you have the biggest question mark is the quarterback and Kyler Murray. Yes, he's hurt, but how do you get him back to where he was an MVP candidate? So don't you want an offensive-minded head coach? Perhaps not. Perhaps it just makes more sense of, from the team perspective, they like what these other candidates are doing, trying to change things up. And that, to me, I would imagine is how you stand out if you're one of these candidates here at the facility getting an interview is, what is your staff going to look like? Who do you want to bring on as your offensive coordinator, your quarterback's coach? All those pieces that are going to come together at the focal point of your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, and Kyler Murray. You're right. How are you going to elevate Kyler's game? How are you going to elevate him also as a leader, which has been a big talk the last year, year and a half with Kyler Murray? So that 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 is the big piece. Obviously getting a new head coach, but that's like one one A. Very close one B is if you're gonna hire a defensive minded coach, who is going to be the offensive coordinator? And also, at least Dan Quinn has experience being the head coach and calling plays on the defense. Now, Bidwell said in his press conference that they're he's not set on having that or not having that because Cliff Kingsbury called the plays on offense as head coach the last four years. Um, but I'm sure that is also coming into discussion of what would be the plan on defense if you're going to have a defensive coordinator, if they're going to bring in a head coach that wants to call plays on that side of the ball. I'd like to see a separation. And just because we didn't have a separation under Cliff Kingsbury, so typically what doesn't work, you do the opposite. And what I do like is a number of these candidates have previous head coaching experience. And I think that not a must, but a preference for me that based off what this team has done over its history, and I know Bruce Arians had head coaching experience on an interim basis, it doesn't really count, but you have to go all the way back to Dennis Green, the last head coach this team hired that had previous head coaching experience. And I do think it matters and it plays a factor especially when you're dealing with a first-year general manager. Do you want a first-year general manager and a first-year head coach? That's that's a lot of first doing things, experiencing things, and not having that background or past life experiences to fall back on and learn from past mistakes. And it was obviously a different scenario, but that was what they did four years ago. Cliff Kingsbury, you have a new head coach, and then you bring in Kyler Murray, a rookie quarterback. That You're right, that's a lot of... A lot of things you're having to maneuver and learn on the go, and it, it definitely helps having that experience at the helm. Um, 
while Monty Austin Ford, this is his first general manager job, he at least has a lot of experience in the scouting world, former director of player personnel. So he he has that experience, but you're right. First time as a general manager, first time in this organization. I would imagine that when him and Michael Bidwell were talking about the candidates they wanted to bring in, I think it is clear. You're right. Somebody with head coaching experience and wanting to change things up and maybe go with a defensive-minded coach. So that's Frank Reich as far as previous head coaching experience. That's Brian Flores. That's Sean Payton, who reportedly has an interview on this Thursday as we're speaking here on Cardinals Covered 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But if it is a defensive-minded head coach, maybe not the first question, but it's got to be the second or third question during that interview process. Who's your offensive coordinator? What are you doing to get Kyler Murray to become Kyler Murray, regardless of the injury? He did not play well this past season before he got hurt. You need to get him back. He's going to be here. That's the Talk about uncertainty. That's the only thing that is known within this building right now in this franchise. Kyler Murray is your quarterback, and he's going to be here for at least several more years. Which makes you wonder, does that give defensive coordinator Vance Joseph a significant leg up, having been around Kyler all these years and having an understanding of what he does well, areas of improvement, not just from him personally, but the offense as a whole. And I'm sure that was brought up and, and talked about in depth in his interview. Um, but but that that's what's interesting is it's not just the head coach and the offensive coordinator then you're having to deal with the whole staff. I mean, this staff isn't even full right now. There were still three open spots on the offensive side of the ball from the coaching staff that weren't filled throughout the year under Kingsbury. Um, so there's going to be changes. I would just expect that there's probably going to be a lot of them. Yeah, it's already happened again with the new general manager, the reported hiring of an assistant general manager in Dave Sears. So this is the offseason of change. Just how much change do we see? And we obviously know that the goal is to get to the playoffs, get to where we have, where we see the 49ers, the Eagles, the Bengals, the Chiefs. You want to be in these games coming up on Championship Sunday. And all you have to do, Danny, is look at those four teams. What do they all have in, court, uh, in common? They have a young quarterback who has pushed their team, and I'm including Brock Purdy in that. Maybe not elevated him as much as a Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or even a Jalen Hurts, but have gotten their team into this Final Four, if you will, which is where we all want Kyler Murray to be. I think, with the exception of Brock Purdy, when you look at those quarterbacks, they they embody truly what it means to be a franchise quarterback in every aspect. Um, I don't mean that as a knock to Kyler. I don't necessarily know that's fair because we didn't even get to see him play a full year after getting this contract. But I, I, I think it would be hard to argue that there aren't steps that still need to be taken from him from that maturity standpoint, from that leadership standpoint, to really push himself and push those on the field with him. I do think we saw a lot of improvement from Kyler Murray and this team when it comes to staying in games mentally, which was an issue the year prior of once this team got down two years ago, they would just mentally check out of the game. And it was like, what was the point of finishing? Because they weren't playing till the very end. And I don't think you could say that was the case at all this year. So there were improvements made. But you're right. You look at the quarterbacks that are in the playoffs and you start to think, what what do they have that we are missing? Again, not necessarily just in Kyler Murray, but with the team. And I think that's something you have when you look at the 49ers. Brock Purdy has been 
playing great football. I'm not going to deny that. But you look at how stout that offense is, right? And and they were healthy for the most part. And that makes a huge difference. That was something the Cardinals didn't have this year. Um, but I do think it's interesting. You have these young quarterbacks, a lot of them who are still playing on that first contract and look what they're doing for their teams, for these organizations. They have talent on offense. They have talent on defense, but you said the key word there, they have health. And that's one thing, even with a Patrick Mahomes, who's banged up on a hobbled, potentially hobbled high. No, he's been practicing. He's, he looks like he's got Buddha Baker blood. Honestly, I'm glad you brought that up because as much attention and focus all week long, including Sunday is going to be on that right ankle and yeah, full participant on Wednesday was not seen wearing a walking boot. Cardinal fans, we've seen this before. This is not new. Buda Baker did it already this past season. Yeah, the fact that people are saying, oh, well, there's no way he's going to play, or maybe it wasn't a high-angle sprint. Like, we, we've seen that in Buda Baker. He was ruled out of a game on a Monday and came back and played in L.A., and we know what he was dealing with with his shoulder late in the year. I mean, you got to remember, these athletes – are not the same kind of athlete you were in high school and in college and in intramurals. Like their bodies are different and the the resources they have to recover are different. But yeah, it feels like a Buddha Baker in Kansas City. By the way, and don't forget Buddha had an interception in the game as well. And it's not like And returned it for a good yeah. amount of yardage on that ankle. And then had to run the other way to celebrate with his teammates and hobble along the way. Now again, you're talking about a quarterback and a safety yet Buda Baker, you're moving around in that secondary. You're up against the line of scrimmage. So it's he's doing lateral movements, he's doing backwards movements. So it's same different position, but that ankle is going through almost the identical torque, if you will. And again, We've been told it's a high ankle sprain, and Andy Reid kind of confirmed it, just mentioning the reports are out there. It's a high ankle sprain. That's pretty accurate. But how severe, and again, it's his right ankle. It's not his plant leg. So that perhaps favors Mahomes a little bit as far as his mobility coming up this weekend. I think something else to think about is it's different, different position, different body types, different um, body part that was hurt. But J.J. Watt last year, tearing literally everything in his shoulder, having surgery and coming back. I can't remember how many weeks it was, but I do remember it was like a third of the time he should have been able to come back. So again, you might not fully believe it, that he's ready and he's going to be able to play in Patrick Mahomes, but there have been plenty of other players who have been able to safely recover and come back much quicker than you or I would, Craig. Oh, there's no question, especially myself. I mean, I, I I played a little bit in high school, and that's basically where my athletic career stopped outside of an intramural game or two, but that's as far as I went. Football? Oh, no, not football. Basketball. Basketball. Baseball. Yeah. Football. No, no, not football. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? Who wants to get hit? I just watch the sport. I don't play the sport. Flag football, different story, though. It's fair. Yeah, no. Um, by the way, who you got? championship Sunday again the first game 49ers at the Eagles that is 1 p.m. on Fox and the AFC championship game Bengals at the Chiefs 430 on CBS who do you want to see here in town maybe the better question is who do you want to see in this building the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center you can't put it that way because right now I've got the Bengals beating the Chiefs okay and I've got this this other game 
and between the Eagles and the 49ers was hard to for me to to pick. But my gut tells me I think it's going to be close. My gut tells me 49ers. So you can't phrase it as which team do I want to see working out of our facility Super Bowl week because people are going to come at me for a division rival being like, oh, Danny wants to see the 49ers. Like, no, not true. But I do think it will be a 49ers-Bengals Super Bowl matchup. I like 49ers-Chiefs because you got the number one scoring offense and the Chiefs, the number one scoring defense in the 49ers. I like that storyline as opposed to any of the other ones out there because that truly is an on-field storyline. The Andy Reid, Chiefs, Eagles, that's it's a coach storyline. Joe Burrow, does he – now that storyline's intriguing when you talk about him versus the 49ers, the first overall pick, the last overall pick with Brock Purdy. So I like those kind of storylines. But, again, they're talking about two quarterbacks. They don't match up against one another. That's why I like 49ers and Chiefs with respects to the best defense – going up against the best offense. It's just going to be a matter of can the Eagles' defense disrupt Brock Purdy in a way that he hasn't been disrupted so far. Do we really want, though, the 49ers, to your point? Is it is it good when your rival or within the division is successful in the postseason? Do you buy into the fact, well, it makes you look good because you either played them well or you didn't, in the case of the Cardinals, <laughs> against the 49ers, or it helps elevate everyone else because that's where you now know you need to be, not just to get into the playoffs, but within your own division. I absolutely feel that way. It was with the Rams the year prior. Yeah. Going, I mean, obviously not the Rams this year, but I do think that elevates you and gives you that motivation, not only within the division, and people might not say it, but around the league. Think about when, when you and I even are talking about matchups and you're looking at divisions and you think, Maybe, you know, I'm not necessarily just pointing fingers. NFC South, you know, that's a good example of like, you don't really take the division seriously. Obviously, every team is capable of going out and winning and you want to win every game. But when you look around the league, certain divisions carry more respect than others. And so I think that when your division does well, goes far into the playoffs, as much as it might sting and be painful to watch a division rival go and be successful, I do think it benefits the division as a whole. By the way, you look at what the Cardinals have next season on the schedule, and when you have three teams out of the NFC East makes the postseason, well, Cardinals play the NFC East next season. So you'll see the Eagles, the Cowboys. Oh, uh, really? What? Oh, I didn't know the Cowboys. You didn't know were the Cowboys were coming. The no, Giants nobody had said as well. To me. You got to go to Philadelphia, though. The Cowboys are going to be at State Farm Stadium. I didn't know you what, didn't know that. Wipe that smirk off your face, Craig. Come I on. I didn't bring it in. I didn't bring it up. Just mentioning what's on the schedule That's for right. next season. So I can't wear blue all year. Is just what you're not, saying? Just not that week, Danny. Obviously not, not that week, day. but I feel like people all year will just be coming for me on that. That's what happened at training camp. By the way, if Dan Quinn is the head coach, and again, we know nothing here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, but former Cowboys or still current Cowboys defensive coordinator, one, the question is obviously your connection to the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm going to suggest that the first question you ask the new head coach is, one, will he wear the hat backwards on the sideline like he does in the booth? Oh, that would be a good question. Because he did not do that with the Atlanta Falcons. The hat was forward. Maybe he's going to change it up, and he's done forward and backward. Maybe he's going to go <laughs> sideways. Maybe he's going to do the rally cap, and he's going to do inside out. Or right? no hat whatsoever. No hat. Yeah. 
Um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of opportunities to really connect with Dan Quinn because he was hired in January of 2021. And my last day with the Cowboys would have been late August, early September of 2021 because I worked through the first week of that season with the Cowboys. And then I ended up moving out here and had my first game day week four here with the Cardinals. So it was still heavy COVID protocols that off season um, in terms of everything being virtual, not really being on that side of the building, not really being able to have lunch in the cafeteria at the Star in Frisco. So I've only had very minimal interactions with him, but I will say from those interactions, from what I know from media members who cover the Cowboys and following those players on social media, he is well-liked and well-respected and is a different type of player's coach than what Kingsbury was, to me at least, from from my perspective. I, if you're looking at a spectrum, I feel like you have Cliff Kingsbury on one side and you probably have someone like Dan Campbell on the other. And I would think Dan Quinn fits in the middle, maybe more so towards Dan Campbell, but doesn't seem as intense, um, but seems really well respected and liked from players and also media members as well. So when we're trying to connect dots between general manager and coaching candidates and figuring out, oh, well, Monty Austin Forts and Brian Flores, they have a history. We can't connect Danny Sarek and Dan Quinn. Not, oh, well, not too closely. Maybe Coach, you know, Coach Quinn prefers the Cardinals because, well, Danny works here. Maybe he's just following my trail. Maybe just maybe he wants to get to know me more. We didn't have that opportunity in <laughs> Dallas, so he wants to come out to Arizona. Trailblazer. By the way, if it does break that Dan Quinn is the head coach, we're going to pull this audio right here, <laughs> and we're going to send it to the new Cardinals head coach. Again, as we speak here on this Thursday, though, no head coach announcements as of yet, as we are now at day 18. I also think it'll come soon because everyone and their mother is coming out here for the Super Bowl. Maybe waste management, but everyone and their mother will be out here very shortly. And even though the Cardinals are obviously not going to be playing in the Super Bowl, it's in your stadium, it's it's your area. So there's still going to be talk about the Cardinals. And I would imagine, now this wouldn't be a reason why you would make a decision as fast as you would, but I would think that it would be nice to have a new head coach and kind of get your coaching staff set up so that when people do talk about the Cardinals, it's more in that positive light. You can look forward and you can have hope looking into next season. Maybe that's maybe not playing a role. You're not going to hire a coach and say, oh, well, the Super Bowl's coming up in six days. We need to, from a PR standpoint, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think that will be a nice part of if you have a head coach sooner rather than later is when people talk about the Cardinals around the Super Bowl happening at State Farm Stadium. You can talk in a more positive light and have hope for the future. It'd be a good jumping off part because you've got Radio Row, You've got the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and not that your head coach is out there every single day, but again, it's that marketing and it's looking forward and really putting everything else in the rearview mirror. You have severed ties to 2022, and it's now all about 2023 moving forward. New regime. Let's get it going. All right. Before we close up shop here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, I want to bring this topic up, and you brought up the name J.J. Watt. And I do think, and whether or not you agree with me or not, Danny, I'm sure you'll let me know, but when we hear the finalists for whether it's MVP, coach, offense, defensive player of the year, the AP Comeback Player of the Year Award, three finalists, Giants running back Saquon Barkley, 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey, and Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith. For me, one name missing. Now, you can't 
say a name without taking someone else out. It doesn't work that way. But why J.J. Watt was not among the finalists, whether or not he was considered, I don't know what the voting was, but J.J. Watt, who suffered a devastating shoulder injury, played only seven games last season, and then this season had his best year in years, in five years, leading the team in sacks, quarterback hits, and tackles for loss. How much consideration was there nationally for J.J. Watt despite a four-win season for Watt and the Cardinals? I'm sure that played a role in it. We were talking about that with Pro Bowl nominations and selections as well of the team's overall record does play a certain role in that. J.J. had a great season. I don't want to take that away from him. Our producer, Jim Mahondra, had a good point that the fact that J.J. came back for the playoffs last year probably hurt his chances to be comeback player of the year this year. I also think when you look at someone like Christian McCaffrey, who has had the year he's had with multiple teams and to go to San Francisco in the middle of the season and just explode the way he has, to some degree, the exception of Geno Smith in this case. I think the way that MVP has pretty much become, like the Heisman, a quarterback's award, I think that comeback player of the year has become an ACL, MCL, that type of comeback award because that knocks you out for the full season. It it really upwards close to a year by the time you rehab. And so I think that's just what a lot of people kind of gear towards are those kinds of injuries when it comes to comeback player of the year. There's also stipulations of the rookie in Washington who was shot and came back is ineligible because he's a rookie. So I get your point about JJ. I do. I just realistically, I think for that type of position you would have to have like a Nick Bosa type year to really be considered so 12 and a half sacks is not enough this is not about me personally <laughs> Craig that, well that's the thing what how do you that's define, what these awards have become yeah, how do you define comeback like what are you coming back from because and I went back and looked and probably spent more time on this than I should have but really what is Geno Smith coming back from not playing he, yeah, exactly so he he has not been a starter in this league since his first two years, 2013 and 2014. So is he coming back because he hasn't played and now he's back? And that, that Now I understand the story, and it's a great story. I think if Seattle would have gone further in the playoffs, that would be different. Okay. But right? remember, this is, I do think it's all about regular season success. You okay, can't that's ar- fair. You can't argue what Geno Smith did, and I... I have no problems, but again, what are you coming back from? He didn't play because he wasn't good enough. Now yeah. he gets an opportunity, and the other, and so that would be one name that I would take off because I don't like when people say, "Why didn't X player get involved or invited?" Well, okay, tell me who gets taken off. And for me, it's Geno Smith, and I'm throwing out Saquon Barkley because he tore the ACL in 2020. Yeah, he played last season. Yep. So that's. So he's coming back from an injury two years ago. so It's just that the Giants were playing better. Exactly. I also think with Geno Smith, a lot of that storyline was because everyone thought Seattle would be trash because you weren't going to have Russell Wilson. So that's part of the Geno Smith story. If it weren't Russell Wilson, if it had been Drew Locke and they would have moved on from Drew Locke and gone with Geno Smith, like that would have been different. 
So the parallels because you see the struggles of Russell Wilson and the success yes. of Geno Smith all yes. plays. I do think Geno Smith will win it because it's more of the story versus the injury. And you made a great point because typically, yeah, it's someone who comes back from a devastating injury, ankle, knee, arm, whatever it is, where you miss an entire season or 14, 15 games and then come back and you're a pro bowler or you're leading the team and rushing a receiver or whatever it is. But I do think the Geno Smith story resonates. But again, how are you defining comeback? Because he rode the bench and just, hey, he won the job. I mean, there was a competition between he and Drew Locke. So I'm not complaining about that, but what is he coming back from? No, I get get your point. And I think J.J. could have likely been a finalist again had he not came back for a game last year. Now, Just as impressive, but... Now, J.J. Watt did, and maybe this matters only to us, but he did get the Cardinals Award for Defensive Player of the Year. And the next time you see our colleague Paul Calvisi, just make sure you mention to him that of the Cardinal Awards, and again, go to azcardinals.com, of the six categories, none of his selections were winners. What? He went 0 for 6. That's crazy to me because for those of you who don't know, at the end of every season, our – content department we go and they we pick um top five plays on offense defense special teams and we have awards so mvp defensive player of the year offensive player of the year play of the year all that stuff and when i was making my selections just based off the year that the cardinals had it didn't feel like there were a lot of options for wiggle room i could see a couple players if jj watt got defensive player of the year and mvp or you know so, something along those lines. So the fact that none of Paul's <laughs> picks were the winners overall is I'm going to have to go back and look at who he chose. The awards, MVP, Budabaker, Offensive Player of the Year, James Conner, Defensive Player of the Year, J.J. Watt, Newcomer of the Year, Hollywood Brown, and Beyond the Box Score, Calvin Beecham. Those were all of your picks. And the one difference that you did not have was the player of the year. And that was Kyler's 22nd two point conversion at most, including myself went with Byron Murphy's walk off fumble return. Right. I had play of the year. I had Byron Murphy's play, I believe second. And I had Kyler Murray's two point conversion. Yeah. So you had, first. you went five of six, Paul went zero of six. So just next time you see it's Mr. Calvisi that he did not pick. Oh, any, is this for plays or players? No, Player, the Cardinals awards. The Cardinals awards. Yeah. Wow, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to go look at, at who he chose because the only ones I could think you could kind of sprinkle in is if you think DeAndre Hopkins when he came back and and what he did for the offense. Who else could he have chosen? He went think- with J.J. Watt as MVP. He had Buda Baker as Defensive Player of okay, the Year. Okay, that's fair. So, yeah, and uh, I believe. Uh, Kelvin Beecham is Offensive Player of the Year. So he had the so right players, just hit, the wrong... Wrong categories, yeah. yeah. Okay. But that's typical Maybe, Paul, right? Just wrong? Better luck next year, yeah. Paul. It's always good when we can throw our colleagues under the bus here, right? Only they're listening. <laughs> that's, that's true. See if they listen all the way through, Paul. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time, hopefully when a new head coach has been announced here on Cardinals Cover 2.